0: All right, welcome to the Adaptex podcast, where we have conversations with individuals who are building accessible products, advocating for inclusion, or excelling in adaptive sports. Our intention is never to speak on behalf of those with disabilities, but give them a platform to amplify their voice and share insights so you can help us make the world more accessible. Today, we are joined by Enzo Caruso. Enzo is a multifaceted investor, operator, and entrepreneur, driven by a passion for delivering tangible solutions to improve the world. Currently at the helm of operations and partnerships at Haptic, Uh, Enzo is committed to reshaping information reception through the revolutionary capabilities of haptic feedback. In a departure from the reliance on audio and visual cues, Enzo envisions a future where the power of touch and vibrations liberate individuals from their electronic devices, fostering a more inclusive and futuristic world for all. With an unwavering dedication to innovation, Enzo and his team are poised to redefine the way we interact and receive information. Enzo, thank you for joining me today.
1: Absolutely. I'm
0: really excited. Uh, For those who might be unfamiliar with the technology, can you uh, maybe explain to the audience what haptic uh, technology is?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, haptic technology has been around forever, uh, but it's definitely a a very kind of new and profound technology that's just kind of starting to get incorporated to the masses. So, uh, haptic is anything relating to the sense of touch. Think when you get a phone call or text message and the vibration through your mobile device, that is a form of haptic feedback. If you're driving in your car uh, and you stray out of your lane, and the uh, wheel kind of vibrates to orient you back onto position as a form of haptic feedback. Uh, It's definitely readily present in our lives, except we kind of uh, have a dispersion between being able to connect the H word with the actual outputs for what it actually does. Um, So, yeah.
0: So how did, when did this become, I guess, a technology that was heavily used by individuals with visual impairments? Was there a time when it wasn't, and then was there a transition period to, Someone discovering that, oh like wow, we should be incorporating
1: this with guiding well absolutely i mean there's there's been a lot of you know haptic tactile feedback methods that have been uh, incorporated within uh, accessibility and inclusion measures worldwide, you know crosswalks those little uh the kind of stepping stones on the bottom that, that give that, that tactile ground feedback. That was kind of the first introduction to haptics, you know, especially within subway stations to let people know, Hey, you're approaching uh, the track kind of step back. Um, so it's always been kind of utilized for orientation, but actually now utilizing it within, you know, deep technology that, that, that was a different adoption curve and something that I like to say at haptic, we are the pioneers um, of actually incorporating this type of technology um, into our own application but also existing applications worldwide so that haptics uh and vibrations you know touch is a universal language it doesn't matter where you are in the world everyone can understand feedback through um actual touch and uh, that's why we think that kind of breaking down the digital divide and this barrier between um what can and can't be utilized with touch you know really incorporating that into as much as possible
0: so haptics is a broad term that doesn't strictly encompass digital technology it's Basically, just a sensation of touch, but now Indeed. you're finding ways to incorporate that into the digital landscape.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that. That was the true company inception, um, was when a close colleague of ours uh, became blind in a traumatic car accident. And his biggest point of feedback was hey, digital applications, specifically navigation, they've relied solely upon audio and visual based feedback. And the fact that now I am diagnosed as blind, uh, low vision. The fact that I can't have my eyes and ears glued to my device and I am now on the outside of this, like we say, this digital divide so that I can't go walk and get Starbucks or, or Dunkin' Donuts utilizing Google Maps and Apple Maps, applications that's, you know, worldly used by billions of people. This was like a, a present problem that could be solved. And, and that kind of that, that solving mechanism in Q was was a universal language that everyone can comprehend and understand. And that's when kind of haptics came to the forefront of this could be the solution.
0: And the first product that you guys released was the way bands to so begin to address
1: that, correct? Exactly. Yeah, that was uh right. that was kind of the the state of the art application that we built. Um it was back in, you know, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. First we had to start with the actual patent behind the technology. Um, because we knew we were early to things. It was kind of essential to step back and say, Okay, what can we actually uh get intellectual property on so that we could protect ourselves so that when this kind of tidal wave of adoption comes. We have our technology and it's protected. So we were able to get a a very robust patent because we were early to the table. Uh, And it was anything uh, that vibrates to orient a user on their position or location. Very broad, uh, but we were, again, early to the party. So we were able to get it. Um, And as well, back in early 2016, 2017, when we were actually thinking about, okay, how do we get this to the masses? The Apple Watch and Google Pixel Watches they uh, either didn't have a haptic motor or didn't exist. So we had to come to the table with our own product, Wayband. Uh, and that was specifically focusing on delivering vibrations all through uh, a wearable product. Um, and that, that connected to our native application, Haptic HapticNav, um, which is the product that's still running right now. Uh, we discontinued the Wayband only due to hardware is a very hard business line. Um, and we could have more kind of user adoption and growth if we tapped into everyone's iPhone. Uh, or Google Pixel, whatever, uh, Android with an application. So we focused all of our research and development then onto that, and now are tapping into third-party wearables with uh, iOS Watch and Google Pixel Watch. So you guys are now licensing software
0: to companies like Apple and Google.
1: Well, that that's uh, that's absolutely the goal. The pipeline is to step back and take the the intellectual property, like I mentioned earlier, and to say, Hey, Google Maps, Apple Maps, Uber. You guys have hundreds of millions to billions of users on your application, yet you rely still upon legacy forms of feedback, audio and visual based. Even if you take you know the blind and low vision out of the equation, that's a massive kind of safety issue, in my opinion. And, and users lack awareness, overall safety and overall inclusion. If you are solely relying upon individuals getting feedback with their phone up at their face or hearing, hey, your Uber has arrived, go down, you know, take a, you know, right in 100 feet, whatever that is. Uh, so utilizing vibrations and haptics, that's kind of the way to you know, breach that fold and, and add a new layer of intuitive technology that everyone can benefit from. Um, and by everyone, I mean literally billions of people utilizing technology um, that and, and it just doesn't exist currently. So haptic, we have to be the pioneer to get this out there.
0: Yeah, that's one thing we've talked about in a few episodes here is how accessibility, Design or universal design might be intended for one individual or one population, but really benefits the whole. Uh, so, are there are there people outside of the community of those with visual impairments that would use this
1: technology? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I think about the the fact that closed captions and subtitles. Their initial target market and intent was to allow deaf users to interact with with movies and television. Uh, and now the statistic is that 80 percent of Netflix users utilize closed captions uh, when they watch television and movies uh, and 80 percent of Netflix users are not deaf. So so how you know that initial foot into the door. And then once that domino falls, the market for which, you know, the tide pool, it opens up and like, kind of everyone can utilize it. That's the example I utilize all the time with haptics. Um, yes, obviously, the, the low hanging fruit is the blind and visually impaired. We made history. We, we put it on a marathon runner, um, Simon Wheatcroft. We were able to uh, allow him to finish the entirety of the New York City Marathon without a guide or sighted assistance all through the utilization of haptics. Uh, and now, you know, me, I just moved to Manhattan two years ago. No, no idea how the grid system worked. Uh, and I needed haptics to get around because it was not safe, literally, if I was walking around a brand new city and thinking to myself, I have no idea what I'm doing. My phone's in my hands, eyes and ears glued to it. That's not safe in terms of pickpocketers. That's not safe in terms of incoming traffic. But then the utilization of haptics, like we say, free your eyes, free your ears, feel your way. And that's for the first time ever. I could be more aware of my surroundings. I didn't have to be glued to your device. And that's something that everyone can adopt to, not just the, the market of, again, blind or low vision individuals. It's, it's something that everyone can utilize.
0: So, um, we first met a couple, maybe about a year ago to talk about, um, navigation for athletes, runners who have visual impairments. What are the main challenges that they may face exclusively using haptics in a race like the New York city marathon?
1: Yeah, look, it's, it's the the first technology of its kind. So for the first time ever, they can actually have the independence to not need a guide or a tether. Uh, And I think that's, that's the one thing that we can promote. That's like, Hey, that's revolutionary. That's going to break your, your normal tradition and routine. You really kind of have that independence and awareness. Uh, Now, obviously without a a guide or a tether, there's other complications that come into place in terms of proximity. Hey, there's someone five feet in front of you. Um, So those, those type of issues are something that if you're specifically utilizing haptics um, without a form of computer vision or like a radar detector you you know our application doesn't tell you hey you have an obstacle coming in five feet that'd be a, a totally different development curve so what we can guarantee is the fact that all through vibrations on your wrist you're going to be able to uh intake intuitive information all through haptics so great you're running on your path uh you kind of we have two different settings either no vibration when you're going the right way or our haptic uh, heartbeat impulse, which is my favorite setting, kind of everyone's kind of favorite setting. It's almost like, think Pac-Man. You're going along your trail in the right direction. It's da-dun, da-dun, da-dun. You're collecting kind of these like, you know, dots and beads. And it's kind of a gamified version of navigation. You want to continue on that track. You stray off for any reason, you know, utilizing your, your body, actually turning on an axis. And we deliver vibrations to get you back on the track. Um, so that's kind of like the the groundworks of our of our haptics. So that's our patent, um, kind of, you know, utilizing vibrations to orient the user. Um, but again, obviously there, there's other hiccups that will arise when you know you're utilizing this as a runner and whatnot, you know, spatial detection, you know, kind of object detection, what's in front of you. Um, if you're, you know, running through a busy, you know, Central Park, that's obviously, you know, great haptics is going to help you and guide you through your journey, but it might not tell you when that baby stroller is coming or hey that crosswalk it's it's red don't cross versus you're available to so there's definitely a few other things in the adoption curve that we're hoping other technologies and you know building off of apple maps and google maps them integrating this into their systems you know we're a haptic company so we want to perfect our input and and delivery back to the users uh, but it takes a village in terms of really making the end to end experience accessible and hopefully haptics is going to be you know an integral part of that um you know but it can't be the entirety of it you know it could be it could be an additional layer but in terms of really creating again the end-to-end experience it's going to take you know a, a larger team and vision and, and yeah measure.
0: yeah you would need like almost a self-driving technology that like something like a tesla has to identify yeah. all obstructions lidar computer
1: vision yeah so then that, yeah. that's something for which you know if you wanted to do that you'd have to have your kind of phone out on your chest utilizing the back camera to you know do spatial recognition um and I don't think really that's too intuitive nor accessible having a phone strapped to your chest. So there's, there's ways, obviously, you know, I think with the adoption of uh, augmented and virtual reality, vision pros and whatnot, sure. This, this can help us for sure. Um, But again, it's going to take a unified effort to really make this experience seamless as possible. You guys recently
0: rebranded from WearWorks to haptics. What was the uh,
1: thought process behind that? You know, yeah, a few different um, reasonings. One, I think it's pretty cool to be named the technology for which you embody and are trying to pioneer. So, hey, you know, what do you do? Oh, you know, I work at Haptic. You know, we're trying to make the world more accessible and inclusive all through the utilization of touch. It's like, great. Whoa, your technology is your name. Uh, and where works definitely was, was more, um, you know aligned with our hardware kind of mission. You think where works uh, and kind of our mission and five-year plan at the company was, okay, we don't want to neglect our past. We did incredible things utilizing hardware, but with this B2B focus now kind of really wanting a mass user adoption, the best way is software. So that's us going to companies saying, Hey, here's our SDK, here's our patent. Here's our, you know, you know, uh, intellectual property behind our actual feedback, adopt it into your application, make your application more accessible, inclusive, futuristic. Uh, and that's what we want to embody. So it's kind of, you know, not out with the old in with the new, but a refurbish and re rebrand that's going to really align us for, for a robust future.
0: Yeah, I was wondering if the having the technology as the name presented any legal challenges, like whether there's any copyright sort of uh, thing associated with that. That was just one thing that came yeah, to mind was. when you told me.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's definitely a risk uh, because you look up haptic and we're not going to be the first thing that comes up on Google. You're going to get about a hundred different definitions. So in terms of viewership and actually channeling people to our website, yeah, that, that's a massive risk we had to take. But uh, because we were able to get the trademark under actual uh, assistive and accessible technology, that's how we kind of able, were able to navigate around, hey, you can't really trademark uh, a, a technology and a word like such. Uh, but because we were able to say, okay, if it's specifically utilized under the umbrella of uh inclusive and accessible tech and intuitive technology great okay that that's you know more of a great area for which you guys for now can utilize and control so yeah, I mean that's for the patent and the like trademark lawyers to figure out uh, but once we got the thumbs up, it was like, all right, if you say so, great what uh what motivated you to get
0: involved with haptic or maybe how did you initially get started with the company
1: yeah, um, so it was actually. You know, back in 2019, uh, my partner and I went to New York City as we were uh, operating our early stage venture fund, uh, Akundu Capital. And there we came across a a trade show and a private event with the Wearworks team, uh, specifically uh, Kevin Yu and Keith Kirkland. Kind of took the technology into our hands, said, wow, this is, uh, you know, can piece together the vision of this, not necessarily. The business model of becoming a you know truly accessible company through the hardware, but saying, hey, stepping back and really understanding the overall adoption curve, if you were to be able to get this into Uber, finding all your cars, utilizing haptic vibration, getting Google Maps and Apple Maps to adopt this haptic future and vision, there was potential there. So we were one of the first institutional checks within the company. Uh, and after two years kind of working very closely with Keith and Kevin, obviously from the investing side of things. Um it was kind of my you know choice to to step back and and want the under the hood operational approach that startups provide you know having the ability to hire fire scale grow learn um market that's totally a different hat than wearing the investor cap, so stepping back really wanting to improve my own kind of personal you know ability to uh give something back to the world i think my my own model is you know, each and every day, all we do is take, take, take. And if there is a technology that I can put, you know, my 24 hours of focus each day on giving something back to the world that might significantly make a difference that inspired me. And, uh, so I, I surveyed kind of the the portfolio companies and I, and I knew that, you know, where works and now haptic was going to be the one that, uh, you know, I was never going to lack drive to wake up in the morning to try to produce and put my best foot forward because it it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun thinking to yourself, Hey you're hearing feedback from people saying, this is revolutionary. This is going to change my life. This has changed my life. That's something that, you know, you really don't take for granted. um, When, when, you know, the good and bad come in for sure. Yeah, absolutely. How, maybe from the investing side, how do you determine
0: what type of company you want to invest in?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, You know, I think from from my positioning, being younger than not on the investor side of things, it it really had to be moral alignment with the kind of, you know, startup and founders as a whole kind of, hey, are you guys really committed and dedicated towards doing everything it takes to get a very early stage company off the ground and, you know, creating a behemoth for which everyone is now utilizing, you know, haptics or fill in the blank tech. So it definitely had to come down to investing in the individual. That's that's a lot of what early stage investing comes down to. But then also being able to chart out, okay, where you guys are right now, that's great. But where could this company go in in five years in terms of your potential product roadmap? Um, where where does that align your, kind of your investment thesis? Is there a large trajectory for which you know you hit that hockey stick and, and grow, or is it hey, this is something that you have a lot of competition within, uh, and your your you know co- competition is is good at some points, but. Um, it's kind of widely known in the industry that the competition actually isn't too great because um, you want to be building something that no one's done before. Uh, and that's when you kind of get that zero to one approach rather than building something that's that's one of N. You get a bunch of those, you know, delivery applications. You know, this is something that, again, haptic, we are pioneering something brand new. And that made the investment thesis pretty easy.
0: Where do you think the company goes in five years, kind of? Continuing off of that trajectory type of conversation?
1: Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Well, it's it's really going to be software centric. It's going to be tapping into companies with large user bases. Uh, I, I've mentioned a few earlier, you know, kind of Uber, Lyft, ride sharing companies that are going to be massive, navigation applications that are already in place, uh, Apple Maps, Google Maps, Good Maps. These are kind of applications that range through the entirety of them, a majority of the world. Uh, and with that being said, these users are relying way too heavily off of legacy forms of feedback and that's audio and visual based and that's something for which i have a thesis and pitch that can you know better their product for each one of them it's kind of saying hey uber or lyft or another ride-sharing company dd whatever it is you guys an airport, a car's coming to pick you up rather than looking at the same seven digit, you know, license plate, the gray Toyota coming up, you know, there, there's a bunch of these different cars, kind of a high stress, busy environment. The last thing you need is trying to, to read, is that the same license plate versus, Hey, now I'm utilizing vibration straight from my ride sharing application that is guiding me directly to the back door of the driver's car. That's something that is, is totally breaking the realm of what is currently in place. Uh, And in terms of accessibility and inclusion measures, that's incredible. But that's also something that we talked about before. Everyone can benefit from the fact that haptics can more quickly and more efficiently and safely get you to your vehicle. Uh, And that's something for which, you know, we can pitch that to the ride sharing companies to say, hey, great. You guys are getting thumbs up for your accessibility and and awareness approach. But also, hey, maybe people are finding their, their cars 15 seconds faster, 15 seconds faster, you know, on a comparison of, you know, 10 million rides a day. X million per month, you know, billions per year, imagine the kind of the, the frequency for which they can improve their own product and churn uh, because things are happening more quickly and, and their press is better. Um, our Our balance sheet is better and, and we're really democratizing the haptic language. Um, so it's kind of an all-encompassing pitch and approach, but our goal is really to step back and, and put our money where our mouth is and say, hey, our goal here is to deliver haptics to as many people as possible. Uh and, and and we want to make the world more accessible and inclusive for everybody. Uh and with that being said, whoever's kind of aware and, and ready to adopt technology like us, we're ready to go in terms of delivering our kit. Uh and that's what's most essential. So, you know, we 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 started with the navigation apps, you know, adopted into now ride sharing apps and and who knows what comes from there. I don't know if that's the metaverse, I don't know if that's you know navigating stadiums for the first time ever you can tap into your seat key gap or whatever and get navigated down to section two row three seat 17 that could be really cool right so getting getting kind of smart and intuitive locations now mapped out we're going to be able to tap into kind of everything that embodies the realm of you know honestly the future so that's cool how do you come up with
0: all those different use cases? Like the stadium one you just mentioned, like that's always a huge pain whenever you try to go find your Massive seat pain. at a sports yeah. game. Like, but that's not even something I that would ever have crossed my mind, at least initially.
1: Yeah, partner. Well, when you have mm-hmm. a bunch of, you know, conversations, and you know, we we've uh, we've done something with Verizon, and they're doing kind of a five G approach, and they want to do smart stadiums, and we've already had a, an early stage investment from them, so that's exciting. Obviously, they have us in their back pocket to say, hey great, we want to map out X stadium for fill in the blank Olympics. And we want to utilize haptics as that new kind of digital, um, you know, acquisition to do something new, promote the future. It's like, okay, great, we're here. But also, again, if you're all your time is focused on delivering this technology, these ideas just kind of flow. Um, and And there's never an end to them. But it's also making sure that, you know, as an early stage startup, you're not attracted by too many of the shiny things. You had to have a, a real product mission and focus and execute on that vision. So there might be a lot of shiny things going past you. Oh, ride sharing, stadiums, navigation, but really making sure that it's like, hey, the most essential thing of this business is to get haptics into the most amount of hands as possible. And that's through a B2B licensing curve. So who's going to get us there faster? Who's really going to get haptics into the most amount of hands? That's the trajectory we have to follow.
0: One of the biggest barriers to adoption from various tech companies and um do you guys have a certain level of protection that would prevent them from developing a competing software
1: yeah for what we found thus far uh our our intellectual property and a patent is incredibly robust and strong um so yes of course uh tech companies they wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't try to create their own sort of haptic solution whether that's a ride-sharing company or whether that's you know Google and Apple incorporating you know, haptics into their navigation apps, but uh, what we found thus far is that what we have done and succeeded on thus far is incredibly difficult. Uh, and that gives us kind of a, a great footing to say, hey, you guys can put months and years into developing it and then potentially even start infringing on our patent. You guys have the treasure chest to actually utilize third party technology companies. And that's, you know, kind of backing them into the corner to get attracted to our tech and development is, is big. So. You know, I, th- I think our biggest roadblock and barrier currently is just the fact that haptics are utilized by many to everyone daily, but there's just not enough connection between, oh, my phone just vibrated, my mom's calling me versus that's haptic feedback. So that's why we need to be the pioneer. That's a big marketing effort. That's you know distribution channels and um, overall democratization of haptics to say, hey, that vibration, that form of touch feedback, that is haptics. That's what we're doing. Imagine flipping that on its head to think about a more kind of, you know, intuitive and aligned future, utilizing haptics and whatever that may be, whether that's haptic healthcare, haptic alerts, haptic navigation, kind of, you know, there's, there's, there's the pipeline there. It's just about allowing users to understand that they can think about touch in a new way that they haven't before. Uh, So that's probably the biggest, you know, difficulty is just getting people to understand that, that this technology exists and could technically be pretty impactful.
0: Yeah. Going towards challenging is always good because not as many people in the space, uh, right. the harder, the harder a problem gets to solve the, uh, the more the unique solution becomes. So, um, let's see, what do we want to touch upon? So the different software, what is, um, what is kind of the primary, um, one that a user could adopt right now? So if someone was listening to this and they had a visual impairment, where would you yeah. direct them to?
1: Yeah, just head right to your app store, Google Play Store, and download Haptic Nav. That's our kind of in-house, uh, real kind of tech distribution channel right now. That hey, you want to, f- you know, for the first time ever, really feel haptics specifically within navigation. You know, again, free your eyes, free your ears, feel your way. Haptic Nav is the first uh, of on the market, and-, and we're definitely pioneering it. So. Uh, Give give that a check. You know, the only way to really understand haptics is to have that light bulb go off for you. So you put in a a location, you put your phone down by your side, kind of do a 360-degree spin, and you let yourself kind of feel the way. Say, whoa, there's that heartbeat, that pulse that Enzo was talking about. That's the way I should go, and kind of, you know, you 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 feel it and you're like, why doesn't this exist everywhere else? And you're like, Well, you know, that's that's why we're here. That's what we're trying to do. So yeah, I uh yeah, I just I urge people to download Haptic Nav and uh let that light bulb go off for yourself because I can only do so much talking before you guys actually feel it, your 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 own self and you kind of say, Oh, I get what he's talking about now.
0: Is there any resistance from uh maybe just like the community of those with visual impairments to adopting something like this as opposed to utilizing their um uh... More outdated It's too strong of a word because it's not necessarily outdated, but a white king, right. et cetera, to navigate.
1: You know, uh the, the one thing I've been incredibly kind of impressed with is that specifically the blind and low vision community, uh, they're very kind of on top of and, and desiring new technologies and products. They're never going to say no to giving a test. They're like, hey, you guys are putting your best foot forward and actually like working towards empowering our community for which a lot of people are are not respecting slash leaving out again on the outside of this digital divide. And you guys are giving your efforts for us. Like, hell yeah, absolutely. We want to try. So I've been tapping into, you know, AFB, NFB, you know, the American and national federation for the Blind, uh, the lighthouse guilds, which is a great, great, uh, partner of ours, uh, lighthouse guild of Manhattan, central Florida. And now we're tying in Miami as well. These have, you know, 25,000 plus members each. And we're tapping into, Hey, you have the audience. We have the technology. We really, you know, we're not asking much from you guys other than, hey, we've built this tech for you. Give it a try. Give us your feedback, you know, kind of be our target partners, you know, give us a thumbs up, give us a thumbs down. We need as much refinement as possible because we are we're doing this for you. Uh, that's our lo- that's our target market to start. And then, like I said, with closed captions, you get that domino to fall. That's a different story. Now it's for everyone. But the the communities that are out there now, um, like I said, so with some of the, the organizations that I mentioned. They're they're more or less, you know, very, very receptive because I think they respect the fact that, hey, you guys are, you know, giving a damn about us. Right. And that's important. I remember
0: a year or two ago I met with a company and the problem that I presented to them was helping individuals uh, who are blind navigate gyms. Uh, and their, their solution was kind of like a beacon that maps Mm -hmm. out the facility. But the issue with that is that sometimes a medicine ball gets placed in a different location or sometimes the sleds in a slightly different location on the turf. Um, can you envision a way that haptics could help someone who's blind navigate a gym?
1: Absolutely. I mean, haptics are, our one of our, you know, bigger visions is, is incorporating it within indoor navigation, but that's something that the world's biggest companies haven't been able to solve yet because that's a consistent refinement and a very kind of heavily incorporated, uh, hardware kind of need. Obviously if you're putting a beacon and you're going to do, you know, computer vision or LIDAR, uh, for the entire space and, oh no, someone moved you know, the weight bench over. And now they didn't calculate that, you know, 24 hours ago. So now all the calculations and drawings are now messed up. So there's, there's companies out there focusing on indoor navigation. Um, But we we stay consistent on the fact that that's not our mission. Our mission is making sure that our haptics are the best on the market. And hopefully, again, like I said earlier, it takes a village, you know, indoor navigation companies come, they solve it. They solve those issues of, you know, constantly re-updating and reorienting their, their spatial recognition, getting those updates continuously day by day to, you know, account for the sled being moved, medicine ball here, et cetera. And then that's something for which, hey, that's mapped out haptics are ready to be integrated into that system so yeah
0: yeah it's definitely something where for things that don't change bathroom countertop toilet etc i i see like it could have pretty good utility Uh, but there's a lot of indoor places where the landscape's just slightly changing enough that it would make it tough to map out for Um, sure it seems like some combination of tesla versus Roomba versus like those different technologies that try to try to navigate spaces. Oh yeah. Cool, all, a cool problem the, to work on.
1: It is. Um, it is it's a difficult one though. That hasn't really been solved yet, but um, Hey, we're, we're ready and able to, uh, to assist them with a you know, new barrier of technology. Once that, you know, is adopted and created. Yeah.
0: Uh, maybe we kind of already touched upon this, but maybe to, to wrap some things up here, like what are you most excited for over the next year or two of haptic?
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're doing a bunch of different showcases, events, kind of distribution channels. We're going to be live at South by Southwest, one of the country's biggest uh, you know tech conferences in Austin. Uh, we're hosting a panel with uh, with executives at Uber, um, the ex-chief business officer of Waymo on the future of transportation and mobility. Uh, that's going to be you know the bunch of signups for for attendance already. So that's going to be something for which we can say, hey, you guys haven't thought about haptics, but now think about it and think about it in terms of. Great, we're sharing a panel with Uber. Think about finding your car all through vibrations. Think about you know Waymo and and other kind of autonomous ve- vehicles companies. You know even Tesla finding your car via that way. Um, and then mapping out events and venues, such as South by Southwest or um, Coachella. Kind of you know hey there's so there's fifty thousand people here, eight stages. You're trying to find a friend. It's kind of difficult for eyes and ears. You can share your location on Haptic Nav and now get you know all your vibrations to find where your friend is. You know half a mile through a crowd of 10,000. So there's, you know, our, our adoption curve is, is hitting and it's hitting strong. The rebrand kind of came at a great time to really embody what we're doing, but you know, the next 12 months it's going to be great because we're going to get our first uh, kind of B2B software licensing efforts. You know, we're going to get those first uh, check marked, um, you know, really start getting this, this revenue in the door to continue our refinement development of our haptics uh, and you know, we're we're going to see a true adoption curve not only on our haptic nav application. Our goal is to get 2 million by the end of the year, but we're also going to be having, you know, tens of millions to potentially hundreds of millions of people utilizing it within ride-sharing companies, finding their cars, alleviating those stress and pressures at a very busy airport with all the same cars and seven-digit license plates. Um so we we really do think that that our time is now and that haptics will be kind of at the forefront of a new and intuitive future.
0: Oh, well, and I love talking to people that are passionate about the work that they're doing and obviously the the mission of making the world more accessible is perfectly aligned with what this podcast is it is hopefully showcasing. So appreciate you joining me today. We'll include the website uh in the show notes. Is there anything else you would like us to kind of plug in there?
1: Yeah, I'll just make it easier for people, uh get the haptic nav link. Um, you know, Perfect. specifically iOS, and, and then if people have it on Android, you know, just search it up in the Play Store. But uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I can only implore people to, if we really want to make this future a reality, um, you got, you, you know, have an open perspective, think about things in a manner that you haven't before. You know, everyone is so consistent on, I've only received information through my eyes and ears glued to my phone. But if you step back and think to yourself, well, that's not the only way that might be the legacy way for which we were initially kind of got our foot to the door, but now You know, people are thinking creatively, people are thinking on their feet, people want to make, you know, kind of a a cooler, and I I keep saying a more futuristic world, we're trying to embody that. And so you got to feel it yourself, you got to feel your way, Uh, and I promise that light bulb will go off like it does for, you know, thousands to tens of thousands of people that we've already impacted. Thank you for listening to the AdaptX podcast. Our effort to amplify the
0: ideas of our guests and create more inclusive and accessible industries is futile unless these episodes reach a larger audience. If you enjoyed our discussion today, please leave us a rating or review on whichever platform you use. And if you would like to learn more about Adaptex, the course that we teach to health and fitness professionals and the projects that our organization is working on, you can subscribe to our newsletter through our website, www.adaptex.org. Until next Monday.